Glad to be back with you tonight. Um, we have a few announcements to start off with. Um, first of all, we have tomorrow or Thursday. We're going to be continuing our series on <laughs> our series on uh, giving, and so Tyler's going to be doing that. So make sure you tune in and watch. Uh, Jeremy led us in the first half of that last Thursday. And then he'll be doing that uh, this Thursday. And then the following Thursday, uh, again, is a Q&A. So any questions you have from the sermons, uh, from this teaching time, or the uh, Thursday, uh, make sure you write those down. You can send them, send them to us ahead of time. That's always helpful so we can look over it and make sure we give you the best answer possible or just give them to us uh, in that live session. So uh, those two announcements as well. There's been a lot of chatter and talking um, on the internet if you're following different um, religious sites about communion and, and what we're doing about communion uh, at this time uh, with the, the coronavirus and all of that. So uh, we wanted to address that and kind of tell you what we're thinking as a church and, and how we're addressing that. As a, as a church, uh, we view the communion as something that we do as a body that is together in, in person. Uh, and there are churches uh, in America and, and other places that are doing communion via uh, the Internet and so on. And that is between them and their church. And they have the freedom to do what they uh, desire to do in their local body. Uh, but for our church, we have felt it's best to, to just wait until we can get back together and enjoy, uh, join together uh, in, the, in communion. So uh, if you were wondering what we're doing with that or curious on, on how we were going to address that, we are just going to wait and hopefully uh, soon uh, we'll be able to get back together and be able to partake in the Lord's Supper. So that is the way Pace and Bible Church is uh, addressing that. And how we will probably always address that is that it's always done corporately together in person. So uh, those are just a few of the announcements we have, um, and we'll get started. Uh, grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter number 10, and then we'll pray and, and get started. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the study tonight and how important it is to understand uh, your grace and your mercy and, and how you have uh, opened salvation up uh, to the Gentiles, Lord. And we, and we discover more of that tonight. And Lord, I just pray that uh, we would be encouraged through your word tonight. In your name, amen. Well, last week we talked um, through or discussed all the way to verse 23. And so we saw Cornelius had a vision in our, our study tonight, uh, he's going to reiterate that. So we're not going to go through every verse tonight. We'll go through several of the verses. But when uh, Cornelius starts talking about what he saw, we already went through that. So we're not going to go through verse by verse tonight, but we're going to cover uh, the, the entirety of <clears throat> the, to the end of Acts chapter number 10. Um, so Cornelius had a vision that an angel came and told him, that you need to go and, and get a hold of Peter in Joppa, okay? And we, we learned how that happened. And so he sent three men to Joppa to, to uh, get Peter to bring him back uh, to where he was. And then the story changes, and we see Peter. And Peter has 
a uh, encounter uh, with uh, with a vision, and the vision was the four the sheet with all the animals on it. And what came out of that vision is that God has now called all animals clean. And the analogy or the idea here is that uh, salvation has been opened up to uh, to what the Jews would call unclean people or uh, unholy people. Uh, no longer do we say that. And the the end of chapter number ten is really going to start uh, emphasizing that point even more. And so that's what we covered last week. And this week we're going to continue uh, to cover uh, between uh, verse 24 through the end of uh, the chapter, which is 48. Uh, if you do have questions tonight, um, make sure you text them in on your uh, Facebook account. And uh, Tyler is running that tonight, and he'll, uh, he'll be your voice and reiterate uh, the questions you have. Uh, or if you just have a comment or something that you might want to say, Again, be brief in that, but if you have something you might want to say, uh, we'll leave that up to Tyler whether he wants to share that or not. So, um, But please uh, join in as far as asking questions uh, that might arise. Okay, And again, um, if for some reason I begin to start fumble with my reading, Tyler is going to be gracious and, and help me out with that. Don't anticipate it, but it, it could happen. So... All right, well, let's dive in to chapter 10 and verse 24. It says, On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Oh, let me see here. Yep. And on the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was waiting for him, uh, waiting for him there, and called together his relatives and close friends. Now, we're, I'm going to kind of go verse by verse here for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll open it up and talk about bigger chunks. But here, what's really kind of interesting and cool is Peter or uh, Cornelius gets this vision that says, "Go call Peter to you," and so he does that. The men bring Peter uh, to him, and before Peter gets there, Cornelius goes out and invites his friends and invites his family. He, Cornelius could have kept Peter all to himself and just said, "You know, I'm going to spend time with this man and and really." Uh, get everything I can from him and not really invite anyone. But in the in the verse here, it really draws out the point that Cornelius thought it was important that a man from God is coming, that I want to get as many people as close to me to come and hear him. And it really uh, emphasizes the importance of of sharing the truth with your friends and your family and making sure that they're around uh, men of God that can share the truth. And so uh, that's what's being done here. Uh, very, uh, very important thing that Cornelius is doing because in his position and so on, he, he could think he needs to be careful in how he does this. But he, he thinks of... He thinks of God and of, of the things of God as much more higher, much more important. And he wants his family and his friends to, to hear from Peter. And so uh, that's the first thing we see here uh, when Peter comes into town is before he gets there, Cornelius is preparing and he has his friends and family there. Okay, and then in verse 25, then Peter entered uh, Caesarea, met, um, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. Okay. Now, at first glance, we might look at this and say, "Wow, um, 
that, that, that don't sound good or that doesn't sound right. Okay, but let's look at it in a few different ways and we'll, we'll kind of pull this apart a little bit and kind of look at it from uh, Cornelius's thought and then how we might look at it today. Okay, so when Peter entered the room, you have to understand the, the dynamics here. Cornelius, just a few days, four days ago, uh, was uh, met by an angel and told him, hey, go get this man Peter. And he's going to come and, and, and speak to you and talk to you. So he has this vision from God that I need to go get this man called Peter and bring him to me. So he has this, obviously, this high view of who Peter is. Obviously, Peter is an apostle, and so we do view him as a high, a high view. But here, when it says he worshipped him, this is a worship that would ascribe to God only. And so it was a mistake, and Peter would have recognized this as, you are worshiping me as God. And so in verse 26, he corrects that and says, uh, But Peter rose him up and said, Stand up, I too am just a man. And so Peter here really emphasizes the fact that I am not worthy of any worship, uh, you should not endeavor to worship me. I am just a messenger from God, and I am just to, I'm just a man. And recognizing that and, and corrected um, Cornelius in his worship there. Now, I don't believe wor- uh, that Cornelius was intending to do something wrong here or intending to, to purposely take glory away from God, but that's what ended up happening, and Peter corrects that. We, ha- we run that risk today as believers when we think too highly of our, of our leaders to where in a lot of churches today we end up worshiping uh, the men of God that are leading us. And we, we attribute to them and, and we, we, we give homage to them as if they are something separate from what we are as just humans. And Peter here, uh, if anyone you would think could possibly accept some kind of praise, it would be an apostle, one specifically chosen by God. And, and, and if Peter here, and Paul also uh, talks about not accepting it, but if Peter here says, rise up and don't worship me, I am just a man. That is something we as, as church leaders and as pastors need to take hold of and make sure we recognize that people are not worshiping us and, and giving us more praise or giving us praise that is due towards God. And as, as men and women that are a part of the church, we need to be careful that we don't do that to our, our leaders and our pastors. Now, on that note, I want to make sure that we understand the only person that did accept praise that we see in Scripture that is right is Jesus. And Jesus accepted praise. Uh, angels didn't accept praise. Here, man doesn't accept praise. Those that did accept praise were wrong, and it's spelled out in Scripture. But Jesus expects, uh, accepts praise, and being God, therefore, uh, there's no issue with him accepting any praise. Now, I want to talk just really briefly on the subject of, because you might say, well, Scripture does talk about letting another man uh, praise you. Praise, praising in that sense is just telling someone they've done a good job or that they appreciate them. All of that stuff is, is okay because praise in that sense is not worship. 
We do not want to worship any mortal or any human. We only want to worship uh, Christ and, and, and God. And in uh, all praise and all glory goes, uh, or all glory and worship goes to Him. Now, in Proverbs 27, verse 2, it says, Let another man praise you. So let someone else praise you. That's okay. And not you, your, not you, your own mouth. Don't let, don't have your own mouth do your praising. Don't lift yourself up a stranger and not your own lips. So Proverbs is making it very clear that it's okay for someone else to praise you as long as that praise is not worship. Okay? And then in Proverbs 25, 27, it also says, a, It is not good to eat much honey, nor is, nor is glory, nor is it glory to search out one's own glory. So we have to be careful as humans that we don't search out and try to bring glory to ourselves and, and recognition to ourselves. But it is okay that if you do a good job in something or you know a pastor has a, a good uh, message, it is okay to come up there and say, I enjoyed your message, I enjoyed your, your sermon there. That's okay. That, that's perfectly acceptable. But when you begin to start worshiping that person, uh, as an extension of God, uh, we we have to be very careful of that. So, uh, Peter, uh, our Luke here in his writing, makes sure that he very well spells that out. That Cornelius began to worship Peter, and Peter says, "Hey, I'm just a man. Treat me as such." Okay. So that's important to to. No. So now we'll get on to verse 27. As he talked with him, he entered in and found many people assembled. Now we went over verse 28 uh, last week, uh, and we'll just touch it here briefly and then uh, continue on. Okay. And in verse 28, he's, uh, and he said to them, you yourselves know, he's speaking to the group that's assembled uh, that Cornelius had, had brought together and some of the men from that came with Peter. So all of these men are gathered together in this home. And he says to them, you yourselves know, it is not, uh, know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to assemble with a foreigner or a visitor uh, or visit him, and yet God has shown me. So this is reverting back to uh, the the uh, the earlier vision that uh, Peter had. God had shown me that I shall not call any man un- unholy or unclean. And so this is Peter begins to speak to Cornelius. And this is all orchestrated by God. Understand, God sent an angel, and and that. Um, he also spoke to Peter, and this is all for the the church's edification to understand how God is opening up the door for Gentiles to come to know Him. And so this is all orchestrated by God. The, the two visions were in this designed time for Peter to come and begin to share uh, the truth of how God is opening up salvation to them. Okay, And so in verse 29... Uh, this is why I came without, uh, without, without even raising an objection. Okay, so Peter being a Jew and being a devout Jew, this is totally against what his tradition is, and he should not, according to his tradition, be doing this. But he's obeying God, and this transition book is showing how this is taking place. And really, even the struggle that Peter's having. 
And, and this is, is really interesting for us to see. That even though Peter might be struggling, he's obeying God and, and struggling in his mind to say, oh, man, I grew up not doing any of these things and now it's okay. And so having to, to war through that, you, you'll see that oftentimes when um, people of a, of a belief that is not biblical come out of that and, and join into uh, the, a biblical understanding of the of true church and and knowing and, and a belief in Christ, how they struggle with the old things of their old beliefs and, and intermingle, they try to intermingle them and so on. And we have to be able to put ourselves away from the old things that we learn and begin to, to listen to God. And that's what's going on here. So Peter says... This is why I came uh, with even, without even raising an objection when I, when I was sent for. Okay, so when you sent for me. So I ask for what reason have you sent for me? Okay, so Peter's not 100% sure, obviously, through the statement why he's there. So from verse 20 or 30 to 33, Cornelius goes back through uh, the encounter. Now, I want to say something uh, just in brief about last week in this section, okay? In my study time, um, I studied and was doing my due diligence in studying and was looking at the chapter and, and felt confident in my studying about who the angel was, okay? And... Um, I said last week that the angel that was talked about here in this chapter was the Lord, okay? Um, I was challenged by brothers, uh, by my, my fellow elders to, to re-study that, which I am grateful and appreciate them for doing that. And when I re-studied it and, and really dove into that, I understood that this is not Jesus, Okay, Jesus did not appear here. This was an angel sent from the Lord. Now, Cornelius would have understood that it was from the Lord and, and, and understood that he, this is a message that's sent from God, but it wasn't Jesus. And I wanted to make sure I clear that up and, and just make a quick point. If myself, Tyler, or Jeremy ever say something that you might see is not accurate in Scripture, we are human and we are prone to make mistakes and it is not wrong for you to question and say can you explain that in more detail and if we're wrong we will definitely endeavor to change that now this isn't a huge deal but I wanted to make sure I, I emphasize the fact that I taught last week that this was Jesus it wasn't okay and it was it's just an angel sent by God and, and we want to make sure that we are accurate and faithful to the text. So I just wanted to clear that up if there was any misunderstandings on that. Um, I looked at it wrong, we corrected that, and, and that's that's all we need to say there. But again, if you ever feel that something was said unclear or maybe have a question, do not hesitate to come and ask us. That is uh, totally within your rights to do. All right. Um, obviously, we want to do it all in respect. Both of those men uh, were very respectful and came at me with the idea of maybe they were misunderstood. And together, we were able to figure it out and understand that this is just an angel. Okay. So, 
Anyways, that section there, that we're not going to go back through it, but Cornelius tells Peter uh, how the angel came to him and, and told him to go get him. Okay? So that's what's being said there. And then we're going to pick it back up in verse t- uh, 34. Okay? <clears throat> um, and this is the ex- real exciting part of uh, the end of this chapter. When, uh, when he opened his mouth, Peter said, I must... Uh, let me see here. Okay, I must certainly understand how, the, uh, how now that God is not one to show partiality. Okay, God is not showing partiality, and what he's meaning by that again, he's going back to the old thoughts, the old way that Israel was the people of God. Okay, Israel was the people of God, and God uh, was solely uh, endeavored and invested in that people, and would the, He led the people of Israel. And now God is because Christ has come. Remember, the Israelites were used for a specific reason, ultimately to bring about Christ and to bring about redemption. That purpose has been served. There are still more promises given to Israel. We're not going to go there now. But as far as the, the dividing line between Israel and Jew, or Israel and Gentiles and, and the pagan and the outsiders, uh, that line has been done away with. And there's no more partiality. God has fully uh, gone away and done away with that. And that's what's being addressed here. Uh, and Peter begins to preach the gospel uh, to Cornelius and his family. But in every nation, the men who fear, and this is verse 35, but in every nation, the men who fear him and does what is right is welcome to him. Okay, Again, opening up salvation. And this is for uh, Jew, Gentile, and, and everyone. This is no longer specifically to just the Jew. The word which is sent to the son of Israel, the sons of Israel, preaching uh, praise through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And you yourselves know this: the things which took place uh, through all Judea, starting from uh, Galilee after the baptism of John the Baptist. Now, Jesus, he, he's going back and he's, he's explaining to them really what, what took place at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And that's what's being referenced here at the beginning. With, with John the Baptist, that's when Jesus' ministry really began to start and, and take off. And he starts there and, and talks about the, the ministry and, and how that started and why that's important is Jesus' ministry was important on earth. To understand what he did is all a part of the gospel. Okay? How he lived, how he lived a perfect life, his miracles demonstrating who he was. And that's what Peter is going to begin to get into here. Uh, in verse 38, he says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he was, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were 
uh, opposed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, so again, this is emphasizing two things here. Not only emphasizing Jesus was a man, but in, in, and God was with him and indwelling in him, and he has the help of the Holy Spirit because he was he set aside his deity. Uh, this is how this is portrayed here, that uh, he set aside his deity and God uh, poured out his Holy Spirit which, and, uh, and God was with him through all of this. Okay, Unity here with the Godhead um, and it shows the three, the three um, parts of the Godhead. Okay, The Father, the Son, and the Holy uh, Spirit are all mentioned here in this verse. Okay, and then in verse um, in verse thirty nine, we're going through quickly here, and then hopefully, if there's some questions, uh, we can answer those. In thirty nine, uh, this is uh, something that we thirty nine and forty, what we just um, celebrated here, and we witness all of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and, and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging. Him on a cross. Okay, so Peter begins to go again through the gospel and saying that the, the Jewish people put Christ to death on a cross. But he doesn't finish there. He also says God raised him, right? We just celebrated uh, Easter uh, in our homes, but we just celebrated and, and remembered that God raised him up on the third day and granted that he be uh, that he become visible. Okay, so he not only raised him up, he became visible so that we could see them. We have a, a record in Scripture. It talks about that uh, in obviously in the first part of here in Acts and obviously in uh, in the Gospels that Jesus was raised up and had a, a visible body that we could see. Okay, Now, that is what Peter's main job was to come to Cornelius and share the truth of the gospel of who Jesus was, explaining that he was God, explaining that God was, uh, that the Holy Spirit was with him. All of those things are important to understand. And that he performed miracles, and that he was put to death. He lived, he was put to death, but he also raised again in newness of life, and, and is was visible to everyone. These are very key and fundamental aspects of understanding the gospel. Okay, and then in verse forty-one, he says, "Not to all the people, but to witness." Um, so he became visible, that's what 41, or 40 is talking about, not to all people, but to the witnesses who were chosen before, beforehand by God. This is to us who were uh, not, to, who ate and drank uh, with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and to... Uh, Solemnly, there we go. See, I knew I had friends out there. All right, and he solemnly testified that this is the one who has been appointed by God to judge over every living and the dead. Okay, so here Peter is explaining to this group of people uh, who he is. Okay, 
and that God had a specific group of people uh, that he tasked with beginning to share the gospel. And that specific group of the people was the, the, the apostles and those. So God, uh, here he's saying that when he rose, he became visible, and then he went and visited the apostles and spoke with them and charged them to go out and to preach and to teach and to begin to share the gospel. And so he's giving kind of his credentials and what God has told him to do. Uh, and very, very important aspect of understanding who Peter is here. Okay? And that he also makes a, a key uh, point here at the end that God is judge over the living and the dead. And so um, just making it very clear who Jesus is and, and his role and, and, and referring to him here as God. Okay? Hey, Mark? And, yes. Uh, just on that on that point um, of who Jesus is, a minute ago you had talked, I'm, I'm sure you misspoke and talked about God having parts. Um, oh, yes, does, sorry. Does God have parts, or could you clarify that for us? And also just want to encourage people to, to get on here and comment and ask questions. I know that if we were all here, we would have definitely heard from you guys by now. So I know it's different, but um, let's try to fellowship and, and join in this Bible study together. Okay, so yes, God doesn't have parts. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, sometimes you get understanding the Trinity and how to explain it can, can be tricky in how you say that. So yes, God doesn't have parts. He is one. There is not separate parts of God. There is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are all God. Um, and understanding how that works in unison, we will never really fully understand that. But we do understand that, that God is fully God, Jesus is fully God, and the Holy Spirit is fully God. And here we, we see all of those uh, mentioned uh, in that verse. And so that's what I was uh, getting at there. Okay? Jesus is mentioned, um, and God is, see, in verse 38, Jesus is mentioned of Nazareth how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit. So all three, and how, how that works perfectly, um, we just believe that God knows how that works, and how Jesus laid aside his deity, and how and God anointing him with the Holy Spirit um, is attributed that the Holy Spirit is the one who was able to give him the, the powers and the things that he did because he laid aside his Godhead. He was still God. And again, this begins to get a little maybe confusing or hard to understand. Um, but he was still God, but he laid that aside and became fully man. And the Holy Spirit, God sent him. And again, how, how that perfectly works out, um, I don't know that anyone can fully under, uh, uh, explain. But... Um, God, remember that Jesus is God, God is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, and they are not separate beings from each other. Do you want to add anything to that, Tyler? Um, yeah, just talking about Jesus um, and the, the kenosis that you were referring to. So Philippians 2.5 says, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, so he was God, yet he did not 
regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man. So it's not that he laid aside his, his deity or his godhood, but he laid aside the, the grace that he had, um, the, the glory that he had. And in John 17.5, he says in his prayer to the Father to, um, to restore me to this glory that I had with you before in the beginning. Thank you. So, again, this is, it's good, and this is what would normally take place. And so being over um, the screen, it's a little bit different. But um, please, if you do have any thoughts or questions, um, please ask them. Okay? Melissa does have a thought. She shared on here, she said, Acts 10.42 reminds me of John 5.22. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Very good. Okay, and Peter's Peter's explaining this, so that's good. And Peter would have, you know, been around when uh, all of that was um, being spoken by Jesus. Okay, and um, Peter's reiterating this to this house. So remember, this is done in a message form. Peter's speaking to this group of people and relaying this message to them. So very, very good. Okay, Jesus is the judge. God has given him the authority in that. Okay, very good. Uh, verse 34, or sorry, 43. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Okay, so very important. Why is this so important? You know, we might look at this verse and say, yeah, that, that's, that's really meaningful uh, now that we've. Uh, we're 2,000 years from this being written. But understand to the people that he's saying this to, uh, it, it's a really big deal because everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And again, opening up salvation to everyone is what this passage is all about. And the key part of this passage is that everyone uh, that believes in him can have forgiveness of sins. So very, very important there to understand and that this is the, you know, Peter just went through the gospel and how he explained the gospel and of Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. And then here he says, salvation is for everyone uh, that believes in him and their sins will be forgiven. Uh, such a beautiful verse uh, for us to understand. And, and to them, it was so sweet for them to hear uh, because this is all new. And, and for the first time, um, through these last few chapters being rolled out to the Gentiles and how sweet it should be to us that knowing that God has, um, has extended salvation to us. Mary's got a question for you. She said, didn't the apostles know when, that they would go to all the nations when Jesus was at the well with the Samaritan woman in John 4? Um, you know, I think that they probably had aspects of knowing it, um, but I don't believe that they would fully have grasped it. Because if they fully grasp every aspect of, of it, then the, the vision here to Peter would not have been necessary. Peter would have already known that the Gentiles were, uh, that all would have been, you know, if, if they were aware of everything, 
at that time, the vision wouldn't have been necessary, right? Because if he knew that all meats were going to be good and that the, the analogy between all foods being no longer uh, unclean or unholy, referring to uh, people no longer being unclean or unholy. And Peter here, again, reiterating that, you know, I would not have come without seeing these visions and hearing from God, um, tells us that I think they knew some things, but they were not fully aware of, of everything, because Peter struggle, they, they struggle through uh, aspects of it throughout uh, throughout the uh, acts as far as understanding circumcision and how it all rolled out. So um, they probably knew aspects, but they weren't they they were being revealed by God as they um, as they continued uh, through their ministry. God continued to. Uh, share with them and and give them enlighten them and used them to uh, uh, to share the gospel and to make sure people understood through the apostles that God was opening up salvation to other groups. But I do believe God was revealing it to them because Peter also says in in the vision that he was perplexed in the meaning of what this meant and told uh, Jesus or told the angel, uh, the angel here or God that. Um, Peter was speaking with God and said, no, no way, Lord, I'm not eating that food. And so I don't think he was fully aware. Uh, they had, did have aspects, but I, I do think that there was some steel, some uh, revealing going on. And if we remember where we're at in the timeline of history, this is after the Holy Spirit has been poured out in Acts chapter 2 of the day of Pentecost. Right. In Ephesians 3, which talks about the mystery of the Gentiles coming into faith, um, Paul says in verse 5 that this mystery it was um, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets in the spirit to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Amen. So hopefully that gives you an answer there. Do we have any other questions? Okay. Very good. Good. I'm, I'm glad we're getting a few in. So hopefully... Jeremy's down here tonight causing problems. So, <laughs> All right. So verse uh, 44, uh, we'll, we'll get into the verse 44. While Peter was still speaking, the words of the Holy Spirit, or the, speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who are listening to the message. Now, Again, remember what Acts is. Acts is a transitional book. Acts is not something that is normal. Uh, so things that we see in Acts is to help us understand what is going on. And we don't want to take what we read here and say, oh, this is how it should look all the time. Okay, So I want to make sure we understand that as we begin to read this, that this is not normal today. This isn't how we expect to see things happen as we see believers come to know Him today. All right. So while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Okay, And how we see that evident or how they would know that is here in verse 45. All the circumcised believers. Now, by circumcised believers, these are the people, and it says here, that came with Peter. These are Jews. Okay, These are the people that would be 
learning about this and understanding that this other people group is now being accepted by God and, and the Gentiles and, and so on. And so they're astonished and, and, and grasping and rap, uh, wrestling with this whole new concept that God is opening salvation up to, to the Gentiles and to Jews and, and not making a distinction between uh, people groups anymore. Uh, it's opened up to everyone. And so all the, in verse 45 there, all the circumcised believers who, who came with Peter were amazed. Okay, they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out uh, on the Gentiles also. Okay, and what what is that gift? Uh, Forty six. They were hearing. They were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter uh, answered. Okay, then Peter. So the the what. What was going on is the Holy Spirit, as Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit came and fell upon these people. And when that happened, they began to speak in tongues. Now, we've seen this happen more than once, okay, uh, so far. We've seen it happen in Acts 2, uh, verse 4. Okay, when the, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they began to speak in tongues. Why was this done? It was an evidence that the Holy Spirit was being poured out upon people. You can't see the Holy Spirit, so there would be no way of uh, really seeing that that happened. And so this is the way God chose to show people that the Holy Spirit at this time for this purpose was come upon these people. We also seen it in Acts uh, 8. 14 through 17. Now, it doesn't say specifically here that they spoke in tongues, but we know that they did because in the story, uh, people were seeing that the Holy Spirit had come upon them and were seeing the acts that they were doing. And, and the, uh, the, the man there asked, I want to have the same abilities and be just like what they're doing. Okay, and so we understand in those two scenarios that the Holy Spirit was poured upon them, and they begin to utter uh, speech, and, um, and um, that is the way that was manifested out. And here again in Acts uh, ten, uh, we see it yet again that the Holy Spirit is poured out uh, on these people, and they begin to speak in tongues as a uh, sign that the Holy Spirit was upon them, okay? And again, it's, it's unique because this is being done with Gentiles, okay, with non-Jews. And for those of you that understand what the word Gentile means, it's basically referring to someone that is not a Jew. So that would encompass anyone that's not a Jew is a Gentile. And so all people groups, all right? Um, verse 47, okay? Surely no one can refuse the water for this is to for for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did can he so Peter is just posing a question no one can refuse that these people should be baptized and the reason why this question was posed is do we baptize people that are not Jews that we do we baptize the gentiles yes they are true believers they, the Holy Spirit has come upon them. Yes, we baptize them because it, it signifies 
the fact that they uh, have accepted Christ and that they are uh, God's people at that point. Okay, And so Peter here uh, asks the question and then says, and he ordered them to be baptized. Now the word order there is not necessarily a command. He's just saying we need to be baptizing. Order them to be baptized in the name. Okay. And this is the key, in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they spoke with him and asked him to stay for a few more days. Okay? Wow, lots of information, lots of exciting stuff going on here. And for us today, we can be, we can be so excited to read this and to know that we have a God that has opened up salvation for all mankind and for those that God... Uh, for those, a key verse here is verse 43. Uh, it says, the, um, of, him, uh, uh, of him all the prophets bear witness that through him, Jesus, through his name, everyone who believes, everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. And, and the, the key word there is everyone. Understanding the context of this chapter is salvation has been um, brought into ex, uh, to extend to the Gentiles and uh, to to Jews and Gentiles. So that is the the thrust. Uh, Peter says, you know, let's get baptized as a sign of a new believer, um, which is key to understand that we as believers today. Uh, when you become a believer, it is an important aspect of your uh, of your Christian life is to uh, be obedient, understanding that oh, baptism does not save you. It's something we do out of obedience to Christ to show uh, that we are uh, a believer and that we have uh, accepted uh, Him. So, any other questions, Tyler? Uh, yeah, sounds like we're getting close to wrapping up. So, if you guys have any more questions, go ahead and throw them down now so we can get them answered before uh, we finish uh, this video. I'm going to throw two of them at you. Uh, Stan asks, so were these people of different languages? And then Jerry asks, is this the first time that Gentiles receive salvation? So, the first question was, uh, ask the first question one more time. From Stan, were they people of different languages? Um, you know, I don't really know how. Uh, not sure. I'm not sure exactly how the speaking in tongues works uh, in these passages. It's not really spelled out in in Acts chapter two. They were in several different languages. Here, um, you know, Cornelius has his friends and close family, and Peter and and his. His traveling companion, so I wouldn't, I don't know um, what it would really look like for the speaking in tongues um, here. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can give you an answer tonight. I'll have to research that and see if I can find. Unless Tyler, you might have an answer to that, but uh, I don't, I don't have a specific answer if he, they, if they were speaking to another group of people. How that really played out. All I know here is it says that they were speaking in tongues as a, as a sign of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. So I don't know how that really looked. Uh, yeah, a lot of people, especially in these latter days, um, tend to think of 
tongues as just speaking some kind of gibberish or angelic language. And I think uh, when we look at Scripture, we see that they are known languages that that people are speaking. Um, they they weren't known at the time that they were hearing them. It's not like they had grown up hearing those languages or studied them. That's why it's such a, a sign, such a miraculous thing. But they are actual known languages to, to other people. Right. And then one more time, that second question from Jerry, is this the first time that Gentiles received salvation? No. No, we see uh, in Samaria, so the half Jews, half Gentiles, uh, we see that in uh, Acts 8. And then we just studied uh, a few weeks ago um, the, um, oh, what's his name? The, no, um, the eunuch, yes, Philip and the Ethiopian. Yeah, that per the eunuch um, was. <laughs> uh, that would be another account. So this would be, uh, in essence, uh, uh, there's been several accounts of others b- being brought to Christ, um, but uh, this is a key passage uh, here, saying that uh, it is fr- it is being opened. It's just a it's a continuation of the rollout, I guess, if you want to say, or the, the understanding of salvation is for the Gentiles. But this is not the first case, no. It's just a very key because of the vision for Peter and then what Peter says here. And then the, verse 43, is it mentions it's for everyone who believes. It's not for a specific group, but it's for everyone who believes. And so, yes, there were Gentiles that were saved before this, but this is a key passage that explains that salvation is for everyone. Yeah, and Angela points out that even before the Israel nation was, was formed, before Jacob Israel was around, uh, God had made a covenant with Abraham that he would bless um, all the nations through him. And right. so even in that, we can see a, a glimpse of salvation being for the Gentiles. Right, and this is being fulfilled here. So the the promise to abraham is being fulfilled in these and and as we're reading this is that everyone can partake in that promise so but very exciting um chapter 11 uh kind of follows the same pattern and jeremy's going to pick up on that next week it it continues in with the story uh, but we're going to end our study here tonight in in the end of chapter 10 Uh, but i hope again it was encouraging um, and you should, you should go away from tonight understanding that God's grace is amazing. Oh, we have another one. Yeah, Travis said, Did the apostles figure it was okay to hang out with the Gentiles after they were baptized? Could they go fishing together and stuff? <laughs> uh, sure. There is no unclean. There is no, there's no, disti- the, no dividing line anymore. And Peter talks about that. Um, and obviously here at the end of the verse, he says, and they asked him to stick around for a few days. Okay? So again, there's probably a lot more teaching and so on done by Peter there. But uh, I'm sure there's a lot of fellowship, a lot of time eating together, a lot of time around the dinner table. And so, yes, the, the entire dividing line of the Jews can't go into the Gentiles' homes and, and all of the association things that you can't do under the law, all of that stuff is being ripped and torn away because Christ has come, bled, died, and rose again, and His grace is being, presto- uh, 
bestowed upon those who believe. And so the, all of the dividing lines of, of uh, different um, people groups has been done away with. So, yes, I would say they are free to go fishing or hunting or anything else they want to do. Okay? That's it. No circumcision. So, um, again... Uh, Thanks for joining us. We, we've, been, we've enjoyed doing this. Uh, tonight's been fun. Uh, we have had all three, uh, all three pastors here tonight. Uh, two serious ones and one jokester. So Jeremy's uh, been enjoying himself tonight. So. But you know what? This is, this is good. We, we can uh, enjoy uh, laughter. We can enjoy our, our time in God's Word and and understanding that he has given us that joy so um, i appreciate you all Uh, we do pray for you Uh, we had a meeting tonight speaking directly about uh, you as our body and 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 wanting to be able to serve you as best we can and so uh, just know that you are on uh, our hearts as pastors and that uh, we endeavor and are greatly looking forward to being together Uh, face-to-face again and being able to see you all and uh, we'll be greatly encouraged when we can do that again and hopefully that is uh, soon but until then we will uh, endeavor to continue to meet this way and edify and encourage you uh, through uh, the internet so again remember uh, tune in on Thursday and then obviously on Sunday and we have the different uh, zoom groups that are getting together so uh, hopefully you're enjoying those but um, that's all we have for tonight, and uh, we appreciate you all and love you. We'll close in prayer and get some rest tonight. Lord, we thank you so much again for your word. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that you uh, tore down the separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, and that salvation is now uh, for all. And Lord, we thank you for that. Uh, we are so, so grateful. Uh, to be living on this side of the cross and, and bask in your grace and your mercy to us. And Lord, I just pray that you would be, in, that we are an encouragement and that you would encourage the hearts of our church tonight and, and as we go forward and strengthen us as a body. As we go through these trying times, Lord, I pray that we would come out on the other side a stronger and more unified body uh, and be able to glorify you because you have brought us through it. We love you, Lord, and thank you in your name. Amen.